first things first, you know, I want to explain um, my, my, you know, my position and where I come from on this subject, the subject of tithing. Because growing up, I was taught to tithe. Growing up, we took tithes and offerings. The thing is, though, I don't, I don't remember necessarily any clear teaching about why we should tithe. Okay, and so what ends up happening is that as you go on in life, you know, I grew up, yeah, we, we need to tithe. But what happens when you don't have a proper um, foundation for why you do something, if you're presented with a counter argument, you, 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 your answer is, well, actually, I'm not sure. Your answer is, well, I was taught to do that growing up, but actually, you know what, I don't even know why. So I don't even know if it's right. You know, and, and, and our church growing up, we were taught a lot of right stuff, but we weren't always necessarily taught why. It was just kind of like, this is what we do. And it was correct. Yes, this is what we do. But there wasn't always, uh, um, it wasn't always backed up with, with biblical teaching to explain why. And so when you don't know the why behind something that you do and you get older and you start to, to you become an adult and you, you, you know, you start doing your own thing, you're like, wait a minute, do I need to do this? I know they told me, but they never told me why, so I'm not really sure. Hey, Sylvain, good to see you. So, so for me growing up, you know, I, I, I was taught to tithe, but I'm going to tell you something and I'll be very honest and frank with you. When I was an adult living on my own, you know, it was easy to tithe when you live in your parents' house um, and you don't have any bills or expenses. Um, but it's a whole other story. When you're living, you know, you have to... Um, yeah, that's a good point, Auntie Julia. Your attitude, your attitude has a ton to do with it, a hundred percent. You know, God. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. You give without uh, coercion. You give without obligation, but you do it because you do it from a heart that wants to give. So that's that's extremely important. Um, so you know, it, it's one thing to to tithe when when you don't really have expenses, and it's another thing. When you don't have a lot of money to spare and now you're thinking to yourself 10% that's a lot it feels like a lot you know I have this bill to pay and I have this bill to pay and you know I could you could basically preach a series about the value of tithing and there is a lot of value in it but what I wanted to do specifically tonight is to address the subject of as a New Testament believer, are we still bound to the tithe in the way that we are to other commandments? And I, I, I'm addressing this because of a, a preacher. Um, well, it was last week, I believe. And, and he's, a, he, he's what people would call, and I hate this label, but I'm just going to use it just for these purposes. He's labeled as a, a, a prosperity preacher, which anyways, and, um, and so he's been, you know, he's, he's made, a, <laughs> he's a, he's a wealthy man and he presented to his congregation the, the, he, he said, everything that I've taught you on tithing, throw it away. I was wrong. Okay. He said, he said, I'm going to, because I want to make sure that I quote specifically. He says his previous teachings on tithing were incorrect. Tithing is an Old Testament concept that has been retired in the dispensation of grace. He said, now this, this is interesting. 
Um, he said that religion is sustained by two factors, fear and guilt. The church has used tithing for a long time to keep people in fear and guilt. Well, I'll say this for religion. Yes. But what I practice is not religion. What I practice is a living, breathing faith that I have in a, in, in a living God and in relationship with him through his son, Jesus. So yes, if you're talking about religion, you do need fear and guilt to keep it going because it's not based. What is it really based on? You know, there are religions where, where, where the gods, they don't care about the people, the gods that, 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 that people worship. They, they have nothing to bless them with. It's just like, do you want to escape eternal damnation? We'll do all this and yeah, you, you, you'll, you'll escape it. Right. Um, and so you have to understand, we're not talking about religious ritual, religious tradition. We're talking about active faith. We're talking about, we're covenant people. You know, I, I've, I've taught, I taught weeks, multiple weeks about covenant, about how we're in covenant relationship with God. That's who we are, where we don't practice a religion because religion, you know, what it comes with is a lot of ritual, a lot of routine, a lot of uh, um, um, traditions that a lot of times people just do without even thinking about it. Um, it, it, it it's, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't recommend this TV show, but I was watching a TV show because it's funny. Um, it's not Seinfeld. And uh, on one of the episodes, that's a good point, John. Because we fear God out of, out of reverence. It's, it's not fear like I'm afraid of God. The holy fear that we have of God is a reverence to, to his splendor and to his glory. We're not afraid of him. A lot of times in other religions, it's like, you know, if you, people are afraid, I'll get struck down if I don't do A, B, and C. So on this, on this TV show, there was an episode where I, you, I never, like they never went to church, but in this particular episode, apparently church was what they did. It, it was a, a, a different religion to, to Christianity. And, and basically they were, they were hard on, on the dad because the dad didn't want to go. And, and the grandfather was basically said to, to the granddaughter, it's like, you know, if you don't go to church, you go to hell. So, so now the dad went, you know, started going to church cause he didn't want to go to hell. Going to church is great. Going to church is crucial, but it's not that alone won't save you. But again, that's what religion teaches. You have to do this, do this, do that. And then you'll be, you know, you'll go to heaven. But, but you know, there's no, there's no uh, um, explanation of faith. There's no explanation of covenant. It's like, well, check off this box. Went to church today, gave money today said this, recited this prayer today. All right, I'm good. Now I'm going to live however I want the rest of the week, but I'm going to come back the following Sunday. Check, check, check. That's not, that's religion. That's religion. So yes, you, so what, what, did, what were they trying to do to the dad? Make him feel guilty that he wasn't coming to church. That's what they were doing because he wanted to stay home and, and watch football because <laughs> there's football on, on Sunday. I, I watch football after church. You know what I do? It's this great thing called you tape the game and you watch it later. <laughs> Anyways, um, and so, so there, of course, there was guilt associated with that. He felt guilty. His whole family went to church and he didn't go. 
and they, they, they looked at him like all like, you know, right? So, so yes, religion, he's right. This, this, this preacher that I'm, that I'm referencing, he's right. Um, religion is sustained by fear and guilt, but, but, but uh, followers of Christ, exactly, Sheba, followers of Christ, there's no fear and guilt. Guilt is not from God. Guilt is from Satan. Satan wants you to feel guilty, make you think that you're not good enough. But you have been sanctified by the blood of Christ. You have been made new. You're a new creation. There's no guilt there. If you're, if you're still feeling guilty of, of what might have happened in the past, that, that's not of God. And so, you know, it's important to remember, we don't, we don't read the Bible as, so, we, you know, we're Canadians, so we don't read as Canadians. You know, we have a, a couple of people here from the U.S. You don't read it like an American. You don't read it like an Italian or, or whoever. You don't adapt the Bible to your particular culture. You allow the Bible to show you how to live. And that's crucial. That's why, you know, I don't, I don't look at the Bible and, hmm, what does it say for Canada? No, what does the Bible say? And then I'm going to live that out. Okay, um, so, so this preacher, he, he, he was saying, you know, for those of you who just joined, um, a very notable, famous preacher, if I said his name, you most likely would know who he is, and his last name is the most ironic name you could ever think of. <laughs> um, I, I, I used to think it was fake. Um, so he said that his previous teachings on tithing were incorrect, because it's an Old Testament concept that's been retired in the dispensation of grace. And he referenced specifically uh, Romans 6.14. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Now here's the thing with, with, with this scripture. Um, no, it's not Joseph Prince. I, I He might have said something to the similar, but it... it um, it was he that's not who I'm specifically referring to I don't like to name names because because honestly it doesn't matter um, it, it's just just this make sure we preach right um, so 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 Romans chapter 6 is talking about you know that we're now dead to sin in other words in other words listen grace is an empowerment to not sin. So we are now under grace. The law made us aware that we were sinning. Okay? The, okay? I want to make sure that I, I, I lay this out really clear. Okay? <laughs> Cannot confirm or deny Loretta. Okay? The law was put in place. And you're now aware that, 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 that there's sin there. Okay? But now we're no longer under the law. We're no longer bound to the law. But we're under grace. It says sin shall no longer be your master. Okay? You're not, you're, you're not mastered by sin. Uh, uh, um, you, sin does not reign. That's what it says in, in, in verse 12. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Uh, offer yourselves to God for those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness for sin shall not be your master for you are not under law but under grace and then it goes on to say shall we sin because we're not under law but grace no 
talks about how you don't take grace for granted. Grace is an empowerment. It's not like, well, I have grace. I could do whatever I want. No, grace empowers you not to sin. Because under the law, you know, you, you, you basically, you could sacrifice all the goats you want. You're going to go and sin again because there's no, there's nothing, uh, there's no empowerment in you to stop you from sinning. Anyways, that's a, I mean, I didn't want to get too much into that because there's a whole other subject, but I just wanted to reference specifically the verse that he referenced. Okay. Let's start with this. I said it wasn't going to be two parts. <laughs> At this rate, I don't know, but I'm going to try my best. Um, let's start because I don't want to leave anything out. So if it needs to go to go on to next week, so be it. Um, I don't want to leave anything out. So um, let's start with this. You know, the, the interesting thing about um, about what this this preacher is saying, you know, is that you know you don't have to tithe. If you're not, you don't, you don't need to. It's an Old Testament thing. You don't have to do it. I, I, I hate, I hate to say it, but I, I feel that it, it, it's like the trademark of the modern church to figure out how am I going to do the bare minimum that I can possibly do and still go to heaven? How can I do the least amount for the Lord? and still make heaven. That's what I feel sometimes that people spend time because you know what? You have to understand this. The law put an unnecessary weight on the people. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is, this is, I know I'm going back to the law thing, but it put an unnecessary weight. And so preachers like this, I believe are probably, I suppose, thinking to themselves, I don't want to put an unnecessary weight on people by making them think that they have to give 10% to God. And I, and if that's where he's coming from, I understand that because the whole point, right, of Jesus coming to fulfill the law is now we're no longer under the weight of the law that we can't possibly bear because it would be, it was impossible. That's why God sent his son, Jesus to die for the sins of the world, to bear what we could not bear. Okay. So I suppose then, and I don't know his reasoning. I don't know what's behind it. I don't know what brought him to this apparent epiphany. Um, but I can see possibly that he, he, he's saying, I don't want to put an undue burden on the people by making them think that they're doing something wrong if they don't tithe. Patrick, what do you mean? Are you talking about... Um, like, are you saying, should we claim our taxes? We should, we should, claim, we should file our taxes. Yes. Um, yeah. Cause let me know what you mean exactly by that. Um, so, or are you talking about, should we, um, like if we get a tax receipt for your, for your giving, is that what you mean? I think that might be what you mean. Um, I, I get a tax receipt for the giving, um, so yeah, I guess I, I, I do, I do, uh, um, I do claim that, but I think maybe that, I suppose that could be up to the individual. Uh, yeah, that, that is what you meant. Um, I'll tell you personally, to be very honest, I never really thought about it, but the only reason, um, the only reason that I do claim the giving that I give is because every, 
um, reputable person who I follow for instructions about giving and tithing, they, they issue tax receipts. So uh, I'm going to go with people that are much smarter than me. But if you don't want to claim it, um, if you don't want to claim it, um, you don't have to, obviously you don't have to. Um, so I, I hope that answers your question. Um, but yeah, like I said, because people that are much smarter than me in this subject, much more experienced than me, they, they'll send out tax receipts from, if, if you give to their ministry. So I go with, with, they, they know what they're talking about. Um, tithe from grocer net. Great question. Um, okay. You guys are, 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 are so smart and you know, sometimes I, I, I forget things wrong. Which is the one, what, okay, which is your salary before any taxes have been taken off? Is, is that the gross or the net? It's the gross, right? So, so, um, the, 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 whatever, so your paycheck, um, what you got without any, um, that's a good point, Melissa. I'm going to read Melissa's comment. It should be claimed in, in case of an audit. Very good point. Um, that's gross, correct? Okay. My personal stance is what did you earn? Because when tax comes off your paycheck, the government's taking their cut, whether they deserve it or not, <laughs> whether they deserve it or not, the government has taken their cut off of your money. So you have to tithe off of what your money is. It's not your money after the government took their cut. Because Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. So it just so happens that you don't have a choice that the tax comes off your paycheck when you get your paycheck. When I see my paycheck, the tax has been taken off. Okay? I don't, I don't, I can't decide. I would clearly rather give the 10% first and the tax second, but the way that our, our unfortunate, um, government works is that they're, they take their cut, their deserved or undeserved cut before I even get a chance to see it. Um, I agree, Sheba. God doesn't need, need our money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's not like, it's not like God needs to renovate his kitchen and he's like, um, um, yeah, you don't have to, honestly, you don't have to ask for the receipt. You don't have to claim it. But Melissa did make a good point, um, about if you get audited for sure. Um, <laughs> okay. So I just want to, I hope that I got the name that I got the, the word right, because I am telling you, and this is. I don't believe there's any other option. You need to tithe off of whatever you earned. Okay. So if you earn a thousand dollars, okay. Um, I'm going to, I have a great scripture about that. Um, if you earned a thousand dollars and after tax, you have 800 left. Okay. You don't tithe off the 800, you tithe off the 1,000 because the 1,000 is what you earned. Then Caesar took his cut and, and you give the 10% to God. So 10% of 1,000 is 100. Wait, is it 100? Oh, man. I'm pretty sure yes. Um, okay, 
So I hope that 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 great questions. Um, yeah. So whatever you earned, you tithe off of what you earned. It's just what ends up happening is that, you know, because the government takes off all the tax and when you see the money put into your account, you see a particular amount that comes in your account. So a lot of people are like, well, that's the money I have. I need to tithe off that. But you earned more than that. Okay. Wow. Great discussion. I, I knew you guys would, would love this topic and I probably will be do, doing part two next week. Okay. <laughs> no, but you know what? I, I'm actually, I, I'm happy to answer questions. I want to make sure that this is all clear uh, and you have a great understanding of this because it's important. Um, so I want to read a, a scripture from Haggai chapter two, verse eight. And this scripture is very important. Um, <laughs> yeah. Auntie Julia, is that good or bad? Cause my math is terrible. Um, that's right, Loretta, you'll be blessed. But like I said, I feel like obviously I, I'm specifically discussing whether we should tithe because if you're talking about the benefits of tithing, that's a whole other broadcast. And you know what? I could certainly do that too at some point. Um, but there is blessings. You know, um, an evangelist that I listen to says, I'd rather be blessed off the 90% than cursed off 100%. And, and I really like that. Um, and I know a lot of people have mentioned attitude and how you give. Just remember, what, 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 what did we see right from the start? My neighbor's dog is barking really loud. What did we see from the start with Cain and Abel? Abel, both of them gave a gift. Abel was, uh, I'm trying to find it now. I'm just, I, I would love to, to read it. Um, because, see, I, I shouldn't do things off the cuff because I, I can't find the scripture now of where Cain and Abel is. Um, where are you, Cain and Abel? Ah, here we are. Genesis 4. Um... Now Abel kept flock, this is verse 2, Abel kept flocks close, close, it's uh, Genesis 4, but great, great guess, because I was flipping around, I didn't know what was going on. Um, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. So they both gave. But Abel gave of the best. He gave of the first fruit, the firstborn of his flock. It says that Cain brought some of the fruits as an offering. Were they his best? Was it his first fruit? Doesn't sound like it. And as a result... Well, as a result, the first murder happened, okay? So, so you can give and not be giving of the right spirit, of the right attitude, of the right mindset, um, and you, you won't be blessed for that. So, so yeah, that's a... Boy, this... Like I said, I don't know how, how churches can feel that they shouldn't talk about money or, or giving. It's everything. The, the Bible is, is full. You know how many scriptures you'd have to avoid to not talk about money and prosperity and giving and offerings? You'd have to cut out a lot of stuff. 
Yeah, give me the leftovers. I mean, you know, because he's probably thinking, well, I'm, I gave something. Isn't that good enough? God wants God, your first fruits. Your, that's why, I, like I said before, I hate the fact that, that, that I can't see my, um, my, my check pre-tax, that, that it comes to me already taxed, because I would much prefer to first give. Um, but God, God understands that, you know, the government. Anyways, I'm not going to get into the government. Yep, that's a great story about Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts, that they weren't honest about what they gave. They both were struck dead. God takes this very seriously. And so again, if you're going to make a statement, no, you don't you don't need to tithe. You better be you better be able to back it up. People say stuff and they teach stuff. But if you believe that something has been done away with, you better be ready to back it up. You better be ready to back it up with, with clear cut scripture. Or else you're, you're, or else you will lead people astray. And that's why when I teach these Monday nights or, or when I preach on Fridays or whatever I'm doing, uh, um, I'm, I'm very careful, you know, because you, you have to teach what the word says and you have to teach it properly, right? Exactly. Um, I'm going to, dad, don't get ahead of me. I've got that scripture here. Um, yeah, exactly. Auntie Joe. That's why I think the story of Cain and Abel, um, paints a good picture about the, about motive, heart, attitude, and it's right away, right the start, start of the Bible, beginning of Genesis, already you're seeing a, um, a story about such an important subject and, 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 and how we are to approach it. Okay. Um, yeah, exactly. Loretta. That's, that's the problem. Cause it's probably, I guess it's trendy to say not to tithe. And do you know what the worst part is when I, when I, uh, um, cause I, I saw like some tweets on Twitter about it. And when I read the comments, do you know that some of the comments were like, Oh, finally, finally, somebody, you know, finally, somebody, uh, is saying this finally, uh, um, finally he's got, th that's what people were saying. They were glad. You want to know why they're glad? Because they're glad that now they, oh no, I, I had to give a, a tiny bit of my paycheck to the work of the kingdom. Now I don't have to anymore. Now I have more money to get more uh, television sub subscriptions. I have more money to, to, to buy more, more uh, uh, $200 for one ticket to a sporting event, drop 80 bucks on, on a t-shirt that has my favorite player's name on the back. Now I have more money for that. Like I said before, it's always what's the least I could do for the kingdom. <laughs> I agree with you, Jujar. I hope I'm saying your name right. You know, I mean, okay. Let's get, <laughs> wow. Here we are at 6.35, and I'm getting to the first scripture of many. Um, anyways, it's fine. I don't, you know what? I realize now as I'm, as I'm speaking and as I'm hearing your comments and, and your questions, I, I don't mind it, it being two parts because I don't want to leave out anything. I don't want to um, neglect anything. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's go. Wherever we get to, we get to. 
Haggai chapter 2, verse 8. Listen to this. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, Rick. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. It's all his. You, first things first, when we touch this subject, oh, Loretta, I don't know. Because I, I, yeah, not this week. I'm preaching Friday night this week, so I got a lot of, 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 of study to do. But uh, who knows? Who knows where? Who knows where the Lord will take us, right? Um, first things first. You have to establish where the money comes from. Who is your source? If you believe that you're the one that that provides the money, and that that happens, right? Okay, listen. I understand. You know, you work hard. You work hard. Some people work. You know, 40 hours a week. Some people work more than 40 hours a week. And and you, you it's the sweat of your brow, you know, your, your, your time away from your family. Um, you, you know, and, and, and you kind of, I think that maybe sometimes people feel, well, this is, this is my money. I earned this. I, I did this. I accomplished this. But the Bible is clear. The, God said it himself. All the silver and all the gold is mine. Let me read another one. First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 14. This is a this is an amazing scripture. Actually, look what verse 12 says. First Chronicles 29:12. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. If you look at the Lord that way, if you, if you look at God as wealth and honor come from him, that's where my success comes from. Success doesn't come from my own hand. God gives me the ability and the talent and the strength to do what I do. That, that's where my strength comes from, right? Verse 14. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Listen, everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Wow, that's powerful. So, 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 so basically David's saying, um, who am I? He understands. He doesn't, you don't look at your bank account and say, I did that. I earned that. That's thanks to me. You know, and then you won't have, you know, how many times um, do husbands and wives get, in, get into trouble when the husband accidentally says, let's say the husband is, is, is the only one who works and, uh, <laughs> and the wife asks for money and the husband's like, well, it's my money. <laughs> Men, don't say that. Because you know what? It's not. It's the Lord's money. He gave you the ability to create wealth, which I'm going to get to, to another scripture that says that. He gives you the ability to create wealth. He gives you the ability to, 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 uh, um, to and the strength to work your job. Right? Okay? So, um, you know, 
that that's you can get into that danger zone where you believe oh, it's I it's I did this, but the humility of David. Yeah, Amen. That's a great. That's a great. Um, <laughs> that that's true. God gave me everything, and because I believe in Him as provider. Yeah, that's right. God is our provider. That's a, David. David was a wealthy man. He was a wealthy king. He had a lot of honor. But the humility that he had to be able to say this. Let me read that that verse again. Who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. So there's an understanding here that we basically are giving back to God what's his. And if you think about it that way, he's giving you the bulk. You're getting 90% of his money. All he asks for in return is 10%. If you look at it that way, instead of being like 10% sounds like a lot, instead you say, I get 90%. That's the majority. And all I have to give is a little 10. That's it. Just that God allows me to have the rest and provides for me and blesses me. And that 10% will become blessed. If you look, cause that's the thing. It's all about perspective. It's all about how you look at things, okay? At this rate, it's going to be a three-part series because I literally read two scriptures. <laughs> oh, man. Let me read verse 15. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O oh, Lord, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name. It comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. That's it. That's it. Um, Carol, this I am in first Chronicles 29 and I'm reading verses 12 to 15. Uh, sorry, 12 to 16. That's it that what more do you need to hear well i have more but but what more do you need to hear um as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name they understood and all of it belongs to the lord david understood he knew what was going on he got it he got it Deuteronomy chapter 8, Deuteronomy 8 verse 16, he gave, so this is speaking of God and all the things that he did for his people. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, some, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you so, so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Look at verse 18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth 
and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to his, to your forefathers as it is today. Part of your covenant is that God gives you the ability to create wealth. That's part of it. That's all part of it. God gives you the ability to create wealth, to produce wealth. It's part of your covenant. It's part of who you are as a child of God. Great scripture. That's part of our covenant. In our covenant will never be forsaken. Right? Through faith, we are children of Abraham. And through him, we have access to the promises. Right? I want to, you know, that's, it's extremely important. So if you understand that God is your source, you understand that what you're giving to him is simply returning to him. What he, what he's already provided. And, let me, and, let, and speaking of which, let me go to Malachi chapter three. Everyone's favorite scripture <laughs> um, about tithing. Every time, like you know, any like you know, any offering messages I've heard preached out of Malachi chapter three. It's like the hallmark for tithing. Um, but I, what I love about it is that it says tithes and offerings. We're not, we're not, like, again, we're not specifically talking about that, but um, Malachi 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough to take it all in. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord God Almighty. So now that we set the stage in understanding where money comes from, now this makes more sense. How do we rob God? And you think they would have known. You think they would have known. Bad te Aaron is teaching throughout the years. You know, when the Bible says my people will perish from lack of knowledge, that was a rebuke to the priests because they weren't teaching properly. They weren't telling the people. So of course the people didn't know because people, the people didn't have, a, no, there was no Bible in everybody's house. They had to rely on the teachings from the priests. That's why there was revival when Ezra the priest opened up the scriptures and began reading them because then they understood everything that they, that they didn't know before. So, so that, that scripture about, about uh, people perishing from lack of knowledge, that's, that's the priest not doing their job. And that's why as ministers, it's our, we have to teach the word because guess who's going to be held accountable. Now, obviously we're in a different era of life where you do have access to all the scriptures, but still there's still a responsibility to teach. So God is saying to the people, you've robbed me. 
So how is that possible? Because it's God's money to begin with. It's God's money to begin with. Um, oh man. I'm gonna... We're gonna finish it next week because I'm not even close. <laughs> I don't know why I thought this could be one part. Um, but I am gonna say this. Because I'm sure, you know, I don't want to like, no spoiler alert, because I am going to explain why I hold the position that I hold. The position that I hold is tithing is for the New Testament believer. It is not part of, um, it has not been retired as, as the preacher that I mentioned earlier said. It has not been, that's okay, Jill, you're here. It has not been done away with. Um, <laughs> thanks, Lynn. <laughs> no, it's okay, Auntie Joe. Honestly, I real like I said, I realized as I got going that I I I want I I want you guys to to participate, ask questions because um I, I want to make sure that you're understanding all of this. Very important. Um, so my position as a as a New Testament believer is that the tithe is still for now. Um, it hasn't been done away with. Um, and next week, <laughs> you're going to find out why. Um, and there's a lot of, thanks, Rick. There's a lot of scripture. Like I said, I mean, you should see my notes right now. I, I basically got through like a couple of paragraphs of notes. But again, I realized that's, you know what? It's my bad. I should have, um, I should have known that it would be maybe a, a multiple week topic, which is fine because it's a, it's a big deal. And you know what? Because of this, I, I think what I'm going to do is I'm probably going to bring in the um, understanding the blessings for tithing because I think that's extremely important too. No promises for next week because I still got a lot to get to. But my position, according to scripture, is that tithing is, is, is still for today. It's not been done away with. Um, and uh, so there you go. You're going to have to tune in next week um, to be able to hear why from the scripture. And again, like I said earlier, I have no um, agenda in teaching this. I just, I, I believe that it's, it's crucial uh, for believers to understand uh, where this fits into their covenant. Um, so like I read in Malachi, just to tie it up in, in this part one, that's, that's ultimately a part one. Um, you know, God... <laughs> Patrick, that is an extremely high compliment. Um, you know, it's funny that you say that. When I was in Bible school, I, I actually, Joyce Meyer was definitely a, a, a role model for me. Um, not just because we both have short hair. But um, what, I, what I loved about Joyce, you know, her husband is not a preacher. But he is a, is a help uh, um, for her in the ministry. Um, and my husband is not a preacher. He doesn't, he doesn't like to speak in front of anybody really, but he's a big help in, in the ministry with me as a, as a partner in the ministry. And so I always, um, I always look to her for, for, um, as, as being something of an inspiration. I don't, I have to be very honest. I haven't really heard, listened to her a, a lot lately. Um, but, uh, I remember I saw her, I, I actually saw her preach in person a few times. But this is a good story. I'm going to end with this. You're welcome, Lynn. It's fun for me. 
Just by the way, this is, you know how much fun this is for me? I was so excited for tonight um, because th this, is, this is a ton of fun for me. I really enjoy this. Um, and I love, that's why I, because I, I could pre-record it. But the reason why I do it live is, is the interaction. You can't, you can't get that um, on a pre-recorded broadcast. Um, and so I was at a, um, when I was in Bible school, the church that, that was associated with the Bible school had conferences every year. And so every July, uh, they would have a huge conference, um, a week-long conference uh, in, 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 a, in a sports arena because there's just so many people. Um, that, that's great. Yeah, you know what? Um, giving, it's not, it's not always easy to release something from your hand, but I'm telling you what, um, what's going to come back into your hand is greater than what you could have ever released, you know? So that's, um, anyways, let me, okay. I'm, I'm not even, I, I have, I, I pretty much finished the teaching for tonight and I'm still not going to finish on time, but uh, this is a good story. So, um, my job, every, every college student had, um, had an assignment and my assignment, don't know how I didn't get to pick it. It was just assigned to me. It was the sec it was my second year. I was part of the night cleaning crew. Or was it my first year? I think it was my second year. Forget. I was part of the night cleaning crew. So basically what we did was every day from 5 p.m. until I believe it was like 2 a.m. or something like that, we would clean the auditorium to get it ready for the next morning for for the, the morning services. You're welcome, Carol. And um, and so I remember I was there one night. I was in like the uh, um, basically like the the bowels of the building, if you want to call it that. And I was getting loading the stuff on the cleaning cart. And where I was was also you know what was like kind of like the secret entrance where where the speakers would come in and they would be able to go straight to the stage. And so I'm loading stuff into my cleaning cart, and then the door opens. And, and a bunch of people walk in and Joy, and it was Joyce Meyer was there surrounded by like, I guess her bodyguards and stuff. And I was kind of like, cause again, at the time she was like a major hero to me. Um, I wanted to be like her. Um, and so I see her and she's like right there, like right, you know, right in front of me. And so I, I, <laughs> I it's so lame. It's such a lame story. And I'm like, I waved, hi Joyce. <laughs> and she waved back to me. And so that was my interaction with Joyce Meyer. And that night, uh, the benefit of being on the night cleaning team is that I got to sit in on every single night service uh, from the press box. And so I got to sit in on her meeting and it was incredible. I got to see Reinhard Bonnke, possibly, possibly after Billy Graham, the greatest evangelist of our generation, I got to sit in on his meeting. Um, he's passed now, but whew, great. You know, a lot of people looked at that, that experience as like, man, they made you work from in the middle of the night. I'm like, I don't care. I got to sit in on some of the best meetings of my life. I really couldn't care less that for a week I had to clean overnight. Big deal. It was so much fun. So anyways, it's all how you look at things. So anyways, all that to say, um, there you go. So that's my position on tithing next week. We are going to delve much deeper into um, specifically why we know that 
tithing is for the New Testament believer because it's to me it's clear. But I'm gonna I'm gonna teach next week about that. Um, so let's let's pray and then I have a really fun game for tonight. Um, and as always, I want to give an opportunity for for I don't know who's watching. You know, maybe they see the title and they're like, "This looks interesting." Um, that was the point of the title. It was kind of like, um, uh, "You're exactly Sheba." Exactly. I, I guess for me, I looked at it as like, wow, I get to I get to be a part of this great thing because it was a it was such a huge conference. You know, it, do you know the night that Reinhard Bonnke preached? He I've I never heard him before. I have never heard someone deliver the gospel in such a simple yet powerful way. Guys, let me tell you this: when he made the call for salvation. I was sitting up in the press box. People were pouring out of their seats to get to the front. I have goosebumps. Look, I have goosebumps. I'm thinking about it. People were pouring out of their seats. And, and they, they wouldn't even fit in the front. Desperate to receive Jesus. You know. And a lot of times, because the night in the conference, there was like a fee, a conference fee um, you know, if you wanted to go through all the different electives, but the night services were, were free. They were opened to everybody because that, that's how you do it. You don't, you don't charge people to hear the gospel. So the night sessions, they were open. So, you know, you, you, it wasn't a lot of times during the morning sessions and the, and the electives, it would be mostly Christians, right? But the night services that were open to anybody because they were free, you know, you had unsafe people come in and I had never in my life, I have never seen it. People pour out of their seats. The aisles were like, it was insane. Lynn, this Sunday was incredible, I have to say. If you haven't, it's up on the live stream now. What a service. Really amazing. The last two weeks have been incredible. I mean, we're, our, our churches is, whew. Anyways. Um, so, so it was a, to me, it was a privilege that I got to experience that. Um, you know, anyways. So, you know what, in, in, in light of that, you know, if you're watching this tonight and you've never given your heart to the Lord, you know, it's time to make your life right with Christ. We're not, we don't know when, when Jesus is coming back. You know, it's, it's clear that we're in the end. It's clear that we're approaching the, the, the end of the world. It's, it's, it's obvious, you know, according to Bible prophecy. And so don't wait, don't waste time. Uh, to make your life right with Christ. So if, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer. R repeat after me. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is, is Lord and you confess with, with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. <laughs> Auntie Joe, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I did have... Um, a broom. <laughs> I had like gloves, you know, it was great. Cleaning the toilets, not so great, but whatever. Mike, that was that not amazing? When he was like, I see that hand, I see that. Oh my gosh, incredible. So pray this prayer. If you stuck around for this long, you obviously, you obviously are seeking and believing. Um, so pray this prayer after me. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus. I thank you for sending Jesus 
to the cross, to die and to, to, to live again, to cleanse me of my sins. Thank you, Father, for setting me free. I confess now of every sin and wrongdoing. And I thank you that I have been set free and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I commit to following you all the days of my life. Thank you that I am now saved. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.